If you didn't bring a Bible with you this evening, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's all go to John, Gospel account of John, chapter 13. In John 13, Jesus gave us the New Testament commandment. It just doesn't get any more important than this. He said in John 13 and 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Thank you, Lord. Before I go further, read the next one here in uh, the 15th chapter and verse 9, 15 and 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. How are we to love? In the same way that he's loved us. Who is he specifically talking about us loving? One another. And he was talking to his disciples. He's talking about your fellow believer. Loving your fellow Christian. And you can see the very next verse, by this shall all men. So obviously that he wasn't talking about all men when he said one another. And by this, all men, people on the outside are going to know that you're mine by the way you love, not just all men, but by the way you love what? One another. One another. The Bible talks about those on the outside and those on the inside. And uh, some people like to think, well, you know, God is the God of everybody. And even people in other religions, um, you know, they're just calling God, same God by a different name. And that there's one God and we're all brothers and sisters, uh, those that believe and those that don't of the same family. That simply is not true. That's not right. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day that they were of their father, the devil. Didn't he say that? And they were religious. (laughs) So, no, we're not all children of the same God. I know that sounds politically correct, socially correct, but it's untrue. It is not true. And uh, the thing that is to be our distinguishing mark that people who don't believe or believe something other than the Bible, other than the truth, the thing that's supposed to cause them to know that you and I are the real deal, that God is real, 
and that we really are his kids is by how we treat each other. We're supposed to treat each other so good is that unbelievers on the outside want to get in. (laughs) They want to get in this group that loves each other like this. And so can you see why the devil has worked so hard to keep us in strife, treating each other bad, judging each other, running over each other, fighting each other, because that absolutely destroys our witness, doesn't it? I mean, we can't get along with each other. We treat each other like dirt. Why would anybody want to join our club? (laughs) And be treated like that. They can get that in the world where they are. Right? (laughs) What did Jesus say? By this, by what shall all men know? That you're my disciples. If you have love one to another the way I have loved you. So for some weeks now we've been talking about what love does. How you keep this commandment. What this love looks like and sounds like. In the beginning of our study we talked about that it is not what much of the world calls love. In the world, I mean love has been one of the most distorted subjects that there's ever been on the planet. How many novels are there about love? How many movies about love? How many songs are there about love? And the big bunch of them have nothing to do with real love. What is love? People say, well, I I love my car. I love pizza. I love this. I love that. And people talk about falling in love and out of love. And I can't live without you. And I can't stand you. And and you can't help who you love and what you love. That's just a bunch of junk. It's a bunch of confusion. It's got nothing to do with the truth. God is love. That's not a feeling. That's not just an emotion. God is love. First John talks about this. We've read this in previous times. So uh, what does this love do? This God kind of love. How do I love my brother like Jesus has loved me? We've talked about that this love is not a feeling. It's not just an emotion. We've talked about that you love by faith. Not by feeling. You can love people when you feel like. Slapping them. You can. You love people by faith. It's a choice. And we talked about that this love is a love that lasts. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Also, we saw that this is a love that forgives. And we talked about how you do that by faith. And this is a love that gives. In fact, the greatest expression of real love is giving. If that sounds strange to you, let me remind you of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. The greatest expression of real love is giving. Giving. And so we talked about that more than one service, more than one time. Go with me to Proverbs 3 this evening. 
please, and let's talk about something else that this love does. In uh, Proverbs 3 and verse 11, Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Verse 12, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father the son in whom he delights. This God kind of love, the love that God is, what does it do? It operates by faith. It gives. It forgives. It lasts. It never fails. Something else this love does. It corrects. Did you feel the surge of excitement? (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. But again, this is revelation of how different real love is compared to what the world thinks of when they think of love. Real love corrects. Those that God loves, He corrects. Is this good or bad? God is good. If He does something for you, if He says this is what you need, then you need to go, Amen, yes. It's going to be good. This divine love. Correct. Read it again. My son do what? Verse 11. Do what? Now you can see. From your initial response. Just now. Why he said that. Because. Why would he say it? Don't despise it. Unless. It was an issue. Of folks despising it. Not wanting to be corrected. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Is it possible to not despise it? So I can see we're going to have fun tonight. Huh? <laughs> you love all the word? You think all the word is good? Right? This is a good word then, isn't it? Despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Do you need correction from time to time? Does everyone in here need correction? How are you at receiving it? Well, do you need it or not? If you don't need any correction, if you really don't need any ever, what does that mean? It means you have arrived at Christ-like perfection and you don't need to change even one more thing. You're there. You've arrived. How many would say, I have arrived at Christ-like perfection. I no longer, I, I don't need to change one thing. For where, If that's not you, then guess what? You need correction. You need to make some changes. Right? From where you are to there. (laughs) So don't despise the chastening. Say it out loud. I don't despise the chastening of the Lord. And I won't be weary 
of his correcting me. What does weary mean? Tired of it. (laughs) I'm tired of being corrected. Have you ever heard that? I'm tired of it. Well, what's love going to do? Who? Me. Me. I got lots of other verses, but until I'm satisfied with this one, I'll just stay right here. I'll just camp right here. It is written. My son. Do what? Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. If you don't despise it, what do you do? Despise, the opposite of despise is to value or honor. To despise is to not esteem it. I don't appreciate it. I don't want it. He said, don't do that. So say it out loud. I appreciate, I appreciate the Lord correcting me. And I won't be tired of it. Verse 12, what does it say? For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Why is he correcting you? Because he loves you. Just like a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, New Testament. What does the New Testament say about this? Hebrews 12, verse 5. He said, have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as unto children? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you're rebuked of him. Keep reading. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges, disciplines every son whom he receives. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? Parents who love their children discipline them. That is not the same thing as abusing them. But I've had people tell me, you know, boy, my daughter, my son, they're just perfect. I mean, they're 14 years old and I've never had to correct them, never had... Without meeting them, I know they're a mess. They're spoiled. There's no such thing as a child who never needed to be corrected or disciplined. Never has been. Never will be. (laughs) Well, we're having fun now, aren't we? (laughs) Verse 8. If you be without chastisement, if you get no correction, no discipline, whereof all are partakers... Uh, King James uses the B word. (laughs) If you look it up, it just means illegitimate. Are you a real son or not? Son of God. Are you not? Real children of God get discipline. If you never get any discipline, are you a real son of God? Are you a real child of God? It's like you're not a real child of God. You're illegitimate. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We gave them reference. I know my mom and dad sure corrected me. Oh, yeah. 
Including some spankings, yes. Yes, they did. I was sent out to the tree to get a limb numerous times. <laughs> Don't bring me back that little flimsy one. <laughs> Y'all had to go get a limb too. <laughs> now, uh, it said, we gave them respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? Just like good parents are going to discipline their children, our father is a good father. And he's going to discipline us. Now, people have tried to make this all kind of stuff. They've tried to make this God putting cancer on people and sending a tornado to destroy their house and called it chastisement. No, 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 no. No. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And these things that steal and kill and destroy are plainly works of the devil. God's not chastising his people with works of the devil. He's not killing his kids. He's not stealing from his kids. He's not destroying his kids. There's ways to discipline your child. And that doesn't include knocking them in the head or breaking their arms. We all know that if a parent claims they're disciplining their child and they're seriously injuring them, breaking their limbs, doing all that, we wouldn't for a moment say, that's okay. We'd say, that's child abuse. Right? Well, what about our father? Yet the same people that would be indignant if they thought a mother or father laid a hand on a child, maybe go too far. Yet, same people that come sit up in church and go, yes, our father destroyed their body with cancer. Our fa- I mean... It'd be better off to get beat with a post than have cancer rot your insides out. I'm, come on, are you listening? I'd take an arm break any day. How about you? And yet people say, no, God did it. God did it. God was teaching them something in that car wreck. God was doing something in that. No, no, no. God, our Father, is not a child abuser. He's a good father. But good parents are going to discipline you. Let me give you a statement and and we'll come back to this as we go on. The Lord gave this to me years ago. Ignorance needs instruction. Rebellion needs discipline. Ignorance needs what? Ignorance doesn't need discipline. Ignorance needs instruction. Let's say you got a child and you told the child to do something. Child's 10 years old, whatever. Do this. And you made it real clear, real plain. Do this. And they did not do it. (laughs) So what do we do now? Ah, kids will be kids, you know. Whatever. Nothing. You do that one more time. You do that one more time. And they know it don't mean a thing till you start yelling and losing your breath. Your word's no good. You're not going to do anything. So your word's not good. If you say you're going to do something, you need to be ready to do it. If not, don't say it. 
what you got to find out is did they understand what we were telling them to do? If they really didn't understand it, it could be partly my fault for not communicating it to them. Right? Ignorance needs what? Instruction. Not discipline. Not punishment. Ignorance needs instruction. But we got a lot of folks, you know, the child obviously knew what to do. Just decided not to do it. And so they think what the kid needs is more instruction. Wrong. And so people have written books that what you, you got to be more creative about your instruction. <laughs> instruction is not the problem. They knew already what to do. They just decided not to do it. Well, now it's not time for instruction. You don't need to sit down and have multiple hour talks. There just needs to be some consequences. Privileges revoked. Whatever the case, it needs to cost them something. Something they care about. <laughs> Why? Because verbal instruction's not cutting it. They don't care. Well, even though we're in 50-year-old bodies, <laughs> we can be little kids too. Right? And there are a lot of times in our life that... Uh, it's not a matter of ignorance. We knew exactly what to do. We just decided we're not going to do that. Well, then what do you need? You don't need instruction. You don't need to hear another sermon. You don't need a counseling session. You need it to cost you some discipline. Keep reading. Am I reading in the Bible? Is this What does this mean? It says... Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh that corrected us. We gave them reverence and respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, what they thought was right. But he for our profit. How many know when God corrects you, it's going to be for your good? Every time. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to steal from you. It's not going to destroy you. It's going to be for your good. That we might be partakers of his holiness. That we might grow up and be like him. Being rebellious and not listening is not being like him. That's being like the devil. He's the liar. He's the disobedient one. He's the rebellious one. Keep reading. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. It is not enjoyable. It's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Do you believe it? So what does the scripture say? Don't despise the chastening. Don't grow weary of being corrected. Go with me to the book of Ephesians, please. To the book of Ephesians. Begin to see something further about the the nature of, of godly correction. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 1. Children, do what? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Keep going. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you 
and you may live long on the earth. Does it matter if you learn how to follow instructions and you learn how to take correction as a little one? Can it make a difference between the rest of your life being hard for you or being much easier for you? We got a whole generation of folks that will not receive correction. They didn't have to at home. And so they think they don't have to at school. And eventually they get in the workplace. And they think the rules are for everybody else except them. And if somebody tries to correct them, they get hurt. They get mad. They get upset. They don't know how to receive correction. And so because of that, they lose job after job. They mess up relationship after relationship. And when for the time they ought to be advanced 20, 30 years into the same thing, they can't stay in the same thing. They keep jumping around, starting over, starting over in life, starting over in occupation, starting over in relationships. Because, friend, every one of us need correction. Every one of us needs some correction. And love's going to correct us. But the question is, will we receive it? You do not have to receive correction. You can reject it. The story's told about the little boy who'd been naughty in school, in class. He did the opposite of what the teacher told him to do. So she told him to go stand up in the corner and put his nose there in the, in the circle. He's standing up in the corner, you know, and the class is going on. And somebody came by and he leaned over and he said, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. (laughs) Is he receiving the correction? No, he's not. Even if you're going through the motions on the outside, you can be rejecting it all the time on the inside. In this passage, keep going. He said, do this that it may be well with you and you may live long. On the earth. You, you want it to go well with you? Yeah. What do you have to do? You got to be a, an obeyer. One that will receive correction and instruction. It will go good with you. You know, it's a delight. Coaches, teachers nowadays, people that are over departments in companies, employers. When they come across somebody that's actually respectful and will follow instructions and yet you can correct them without them wanting to file a lawsuit? They are more than excited. They will promote you, man. They will pay you. They will put you in charge of stuff. Because so many people are so hard to work with. He said, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now this talks about a godly correction and instruction. Actually the word uh, nurture there, let me read the NIV. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Love is going to correct you for your good, not out of its pride or anger. Love will correct you. But it's not just because it got mad or is wanting to punish you 
are wanting to demonstrate its power or control over you. It's about you. In fact, I've had people look at me and say, well, I I love them too much to correct them. Well, no, you love your feelings more than you do their future. Love is willing for you to be put out with me temporarily if it's going to help you in the long run. Love is willing to put up with the discomfort. Proverbs 1 talks about benefits of this. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make known my words to you. This is Proverbs 1.24. If you'll listen to his reproof, he will pour out his spirit to us and make known his words to us. Can you say amen? Love corrects. Love gives you things to adjust on, things to do differently. In Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, Jeremiah 5 and 3 says, O Lord, are not your eyes upon the truth? You've stricken them, but they've not grieved. They've refused to receive correction, and they've made their faces harder than a rock. They've refused to return. Zephaniah 3, 2 says, she obeyed not the voice, she received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord and drew not near to God. So even if God himself corrects you, you don't have to receive it. You can reject it. You can harden your heart. You can stiffen your neck and not receive a correction. How good are you at receiving correction? Let me ask this bunch over here. How, how good are you at receiving correction? Can you receive correction? You will not be able to develop unless you can. People that have been in the military have learned some things along this line. People that have been in other disciplines that are, you know, they've developed a lot in sports or they've developed a lot in other things. Nobody got really good in some of these highly demanding positions or professions without receiving a lot of correction. Didn't they? And people know. I mean, when I was a boy, my dad got into a school of martial arts. Back then, this was decades before the mixed martial arts, and it was only stuff from the Orient, Japan, China, that kind of thing. He got into a style that was an old school Japanese style. And he liked it and wanted me to get in there. So he put me in when I was 10 years old. And I liked it. But uh, old school. I mean, we practiced on concrete floors with no pads. And you'd sit, you know, with your legs crossed and your arms on your knees. And if you leaned up against the wall, probably the next thing you'd feel was a foot up beside your head. And the appropriate response is, thank you, sir. 
And we actually wanted this because we wanted these guys would come in that were seventh and ninth degree, that had practiced all these decades, and man, what they could do with their bodies and with the strike was so impressive. We did not feel oppressed. We wanted them to correct us. Why? Because how are we going to get from where we are to that? If we didn't need any correction, that means we're there. We already know what to do. We did not know what to do. We're carrying ourselves wrong. We don't know how to punch like that. We don't know how to kick like that. We don't know how to block like that. So what do we need? What do we need? Correction. Correction. And it wasn't all just fun and games. (laughs) I remember a guy that had some of the fastest hands around. By this time I was like 17 and was getting better, you know. I'd been in it for a while now. And... um, But this guy, he was a champion, and he was renowned for his speed of his hands. And I hadn't practiced with my hands as much as my feet. I had the privilege of working out with this guy. And so he must have punched me 35 times in the head. (laughs) Just, you know, I'm wondering where that fist came from. There it is. Boom. Again. Boom. There it is again. And, of course, you know, I don't feel mistreated, though, because this guy is world-renowned. Most people don't even get a chance to work out with him. And so he'd lean in once in a while, and he said, he said, padding here, padding here, no padding here. (laughs) I said, thank you, sir. Boom, here it comes again. Boom, boom. He'd say, where are your hands? Where are your hands? He'd say, muscles here, muscles here. No, muscles here. (laughs) I'd say, thank you. Here we go again. Boom, boom, boom. I'm getting corrected. But I don't feel like I'm being abused. You might stand on the side. You might have thought I was getting abused. But I didn't feel that. Even I I came away with bruises and stuff at times. But I don't feel like I'm being abused. Why? People training for the, you know... We're about to see the Super Bowl. The guys that are playing at that level, did they get there without some correction? Did coaches yell at them? Tell them, that is wrong. You're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. And what if, uh, you know, whenever it was 10 years ago, 30 years ago, they decided, I'm not taking that. I have to put up with that. You can't talk to me like that. And march off the field. They would not be in the Super Bowl now. Would they? And so you can pitch your little fit. And you can tell people where to get off. And you can have your way. And never rise to the higher places. You'll stay at a low place of development and immaturity. But does God want us not to reach our full potential? He wants us to reach the highest places in Him. He loves us. And He didn't want you to be one notch below what you can and should be, which is why? He corrects you. He corrects you. He corrects you. 
Somebody said out loud, I do not despise his chastening. I'll not let myself get tired of his chastening. I appreciate it. I'm thankful for it. I'm not so foolish and so proud to think I don't need any. I know I do. I know I have not arrived. I know I'm not doing everything perfectly. I need to be corrected. I want to be corrected. I will receive it. Thank you, Lord, for it. Hallelujah. Do you mean that? Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Proverbs 27, 5. Well, we've made some progress last few minutes. Can you feel it? (laughs) We went from, I don't think I like this, to maybe it's not so bad. (laughs) That's correction too, isn't it? So you're not just talking. You're receiving it right now. Me too. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Listen to the New Century, the NCV. New Century says, it is better to correct someone openly than to have love and not show it. Verse 6, the slap of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. Would you rather be slapped by somebody that's trying to help you or kissed by somebody that's trying to hurt you? The truth is, a lot of folks take the kiss. They just will not receive any correction. They did not grow up that way. They've never disciplined themselves that way. They are so immature. Their feelings can't handle anything. The Lord showed me this one time about his group when he walked the earth. This is what he said to me. Some things had come up. And I was pondering them, trying to see what was right and what was not. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean to heard a voice, but inside me, he said, Keith, if I'd have ministered in your day, there would be some who would accuse me of verbal abuse. <laughs> I thought, huh, really? Really? And he reminded me of different situations. Do you remember when he's walking on the water and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And so he says, come on. So Peter gets out of the uh, boat. He starts walking on the water, but he gets to looking at the wind and the waves and he gets scared and he starts sinking and he cries out, Lord, help me, help And Jesus, thank God, he's, how many know he's merciful? He reached down, he grabbed a hold of him, he pulled him out, and what did he say? Where's your faith? Why did you doubt? Now, if that had been a lot of folks, they'd have been at their therapist the next day. Gushing. And I left everything for him. I walked away from my business. I walked away. I've been there for him. And did anybody else get out of the boat? I don't think so. 
I was the only one that got out of the boat. Has anybody in the history of the world ever walked on the water besides Jesus and me? No. And does he say, good job, Peter? Does he say, that's the way? No, he says, where's your faith? Why did you doubt? (laughs) Have you ever heard talk like that? What is that? That is refusing to be corrected. That is rejecting it. That is refusing it. You might as well say, I do not receive your correction. I will not receive it. But did Jesus miss it? When he talked to him like that? (laughs) I'm not going to say Jesus missed it. (laughs) Maybe the world's messed up. Maybe a lot of people's thinking is warped and twisted. Maybe there's a lot of people that don't have the strength to receive correction. Talking about, you know, martial arts and those kind of things. We'd see that certain instructors, they wouldn't take you as a student. I mean, if you got your little feelings hurt, they didn't have time for that. I mean, they'd boot you right out. And you know as time went by, you'd realize I'm getting better. Oh man, that works. That feels right. Look at that. I'd always wanted to do that. Whether it's a musician, whether it's some form of sports, whether it's some occupation, in order to become like the master, you've got to be a good student. And a good student receives correction. And won't just receive it, but is glad to get it and thankful for it. And thankful when I'm shown how poor my technique is. I'm not going to go home and cry. I'm going to be thankful that I know what to do now. I know how to fix this. I know how to get this. How many believe that he is the potter and we are the clay? And I know some of our pots are wobbly on the turn right now. I mean, we don't, we don't look so hot. We got a lip over here and a handle over here. And we need some work. Do you believe it or not? Well, what's it going to be? It's going to be a corrective hand to reach down there and put some pressure on that side. and Make that straighten up and help this and mold this back. It's traumatic to that part of the structure. It's got to change. Doesn't it? Oh, but if you let him. I said, if you let him. Here comes the symmetry. Here comes the beauty. Here comes. And not just that. When he's done, you are a vessel fit. Meat for the master's use. You're something he can use. There's a lot of folks in their current condition. They're just not very usable. They're not. He can't use them much. But if we could change, be corrected, make the adjustments, will love correct you? Will love look you in the eye and go, no, no, that's not right. You can't do that. Not here. No, you're going to have have to change. And they're not trying to be mean. Now, there's some folks that they just get upset and just get mad and they're going to show you who's boss and they're going to take it out on you. So That's wrong. That's not how God corrects. No. 
love always has your interest in mind. Always. That's why the Bible said the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. So you get mad about something, it's not the time to say, I'm going to correct this. I'm going to go and straighten this out. No, you need to go home and get quiet and pray. You don't just blast and start doing this and that because you got mad and upset. Don't do that. That's not the God kind of correction. We're talking about love's correction. Love will be firm. Love will be strong. But love is also kind. And you know, whether you see it or not, you know they're thinking about you. They got your best. Whether you like it or not, whether your flesh can't stand to hear it or not, deep down inside, whether you admit it or not, you know they're looking out for you. They're thinking about you. And they love you enough to put up with your and their discomfort, to put up with you getting annoyed and angry. They love you enough to deal with all that. Put up with that. Get through it if it's going to help you. Sit out loud, I will not despise the correction of the Lord. I'll not get tired of his chastening. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to Ephesians, the uh, fourth chapter now. (laughs) Somebody say, I can take it. Say it out loud, I can take it. Oh, come on, you need to say it again. I can take it. I can take it. I can handle it. Straighten that back. Tie those shoes. Lift that arm. Get to it. Speed up. Go. Now you can respond one of two ways. <laughs> you can go. <laughs> well, they have to be so mean. I'm doing the best I can. That's being a little baby. And there can be a real streak of rebellion in there. Right? Or you can grow up. You can be strong. Not wear your feelings on your sleeve. I'm reminded sometimes of those training. Things have happened in the ministry in the last 30 years that reminded me of some of my training back then. <laughs> I know sometimes we'd be, you know, man, they'd march us up and down the floors. These stances and these punches and these kicks. I mean, hour after hour. Of course, you get tired. And when you get tired, you get sloppy. And of course, part of this time, I'm a 12-year-old kid. Right? <laughs> right? And so when Sensei's not looking, you can stand up a little bit, you know. Next thing you know, kawoom, I feel a foot. And my legs are swept out from under me. Boom, I bounce off the floor. Anybody know the response? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, I don't like that. I never do anything like that. It helped me. It helps me today. Maybe everything about it. Might not have been godly and perfect, but how many that uh, had some discipline, military or whatever, you'd say it helped you. There were some things that helped you. And how many that had some of this would agree that society by and large is sadly lacking in some of these things. And because of it, you got a bunch of whiny babies that can't take anything and everything sends them crying and howling and running. And the problem with that is it can cause you to get out of your place 
and not stay in your course. Now, if you don't stay on course that God has for you, you're not going to wind up at the right destination. You won't. Listen to this in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, talking about God gave gifts to the church, talks about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors and teachers. And he says in Ephesians 4, why he gave these gifts. Verse 12, Ephesians 4, 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That means a mature, fully grown, fully developed man, individual. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now notice the next verse. The results of growing up. Becoming like Jesus. Did you know that Jesus himself. The Bible says though he were a son. Yet learned he obedience. By the things that he suffered. And it's not talking about suffering. You know because of disobedience. The basic suffering is talking about not getting your way. Not getting your way. Didn't he pray? Not my will. But yours be done. If his will was already the will of the Father, there's no need to pray this. And there's certainly no need to sweat blood as you do. No. There were parts of him at that moment did not want to do that, but he was willing to do it. Anybody thankful that he did? He did. And he's our example. It says that we henceforth be no more children. Do you want to be a little spiritual baby all your life and never grow up? No, you don't. Little children can't be given certain responsibilities, can they? Little children can't drive new cars. Little children can't do things that adults can do. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ. Go back to verse 14. Notice what is going on. If you don't grow up, if you don't develop, Develop includes these changes, these corrections. You're going to be tossed to and fro. You're going to be blown around by different winds. Wherever they're blowing, you're going to be blown with it. Listen to the complete Jewish Bible. It says, we'll then no longer be infants tossed about by waves and blown along by every wind of teaching at the mercy of people clever in devising ways to deceive. Folks don't realize it. But the more rebellious you are. And the less you will receive correction. The easier to trick you are. The easier to deceive you are. How many think that's reason enough right there. To be correctable. And teachable. Not my idea. We just got through reading it. We fly. I'm a pilot. 
And this is something you see every flight you make. Is that, let's say we go from here to Branson a lot. And Branson to here and other places. Well, it's approximately a thousand miles from here to there. And so you take off and there's a course. A magnetic heading from here to Branson. And uh, the guys uh, flew up there today. I didn't go, but they did. And Dave and Kim went up there, back to Branson. And they told me that the headwinds up at altitude were 130 miles an hour today. Headwind. Well, that wind up in the altitude, I mean, down here the wind might be five miles an hour. But up at 40,000 feet, like we said, it could be 130 miles an hour. Howling up there. The jet stream. Well, you're flying along in this airplane. What will those winds try to do to you? They're going to blow you. They hit the side of that airplane. And there's a hundred. It's a huge. And you can't see it. But it's like this giant river of air. That's moving at this amazing speed. And it's like hitting a boat on the side. What's it going to do? It's going to push you. Unless you make a correction. You have to make a course correction. And we, you know, the airplanes, most of them now have autopilots. And especially a good autopilot. That's what it does all the time. You get it headed in the right direction. Put that autopilot on. And uh, riding in the cockpit, you see the trim wheels. And they're moving all the time. Not much. But to trim a little bit this way, it'll trim a little bit that way. It'll trim a little bit that way. And a real good autopilot, it does such minute changes and it does it so continuously, you don't even notice it. People sitting in the back thinking nothing's happening. And they don't realize that the airplane's flying like this. Because there's a headwind trying to push it this way. And so the airplane has to turn into the wind in order to fly straight. If you just set a course and didn't make any corrections, you're not going to wind up where you want to go. You're going to wind up somewhere else. Let me go over that again real slow. If you just set a course and you don't make any corrections, the winds are going to blow you somewhere you don't need to be. Does anybody remember 1983? There was a Korean airliner that got shot down. Over Russian airspace. Some of you might know that. Some of you not. Korean airliner. 250 some people I think. On board. 747. Left New York I believe it was. Flew to Anchorage. Alaska. Got fuel. And was going I guess to Seoul, Korea. Well they had to skirt close by. To Russian airspace. And of course, 83, Cold War, big time. And I mean, you, in no uncertain terms, you know, do not get in Russian airspace. Everybody knows that. 
stay out. And so these guys left Anchorage, Alaska, seasoned pilots, 747, best equipment of the day. And they set their heading. And they never made any corrections. They failed to engage the autopilot part that would make the continuous corrections the whole time. When they left Anchorage, they're going the right way. But for five and a half hours, the wind is pushing them off course. Until they're five miles off course. Then they're 50 miles off course. Then they're 100 miles off course. Now they're trucking right through Russian airspace, prohibited airspace, and don't have a clue. Don't see it until a fighter comes up behind them, fires a missile into that 747, and all 250 or 60 killed immediately. Why? Off course. Somewhere they weren't supposed to be. Why? They were on the right course when they started. What did they need? They needed continuous corrections because the winds change ever so many miles. I mean, they might be coming. I've seen the winds go all the way from being a headwind to a crosswind to a tailwind on the same trip. Well, you've got to make corrections. If you're a child and you don't grow up and you don't make the corrections, what did it say? You're going to be blown by every wind of doctrine. You're going to be blown off course. You're going to be over here. You're going to believe this today. Next year, you're going to believe something else. You're going to believe something else. You're going to be over here and over there and all over the place. You're going to get into error. You're going to be deceived. And one of the biggest issues is a failing and an unwillingness to make corrections. God's not doing things to hurt us. He's not doing things to be mean to us. He's endeavoring to protect us. How many want to make the right corrections at the right time? The devil has airspace he wants to get you in so he can shoot at you. Do you believe it? He's got plans and snares He wants to do things to destroy us, to take us out. But he can't do it just because he wants to. He's got to get us to drive over there. (laughs) And park in front of his gun. How many think that would be just the dumbest thing you ever did? Is to purposely go where he could hit you. But see, there's so much we don't know. And there's so much we don't see. But our Father who loves us saw him before he ever started. He knows what he's trying to do. And if we listen to him, he'll say, three degrees left. (laughs) Why? It's good up here. I like it up here where I'm three degrees left. (laughs) And you may not know why. You may not. But three degrees left today will put you in a completely different state three months from now. Just that little course correction, that little change in your thinking, that little, and the chastening's not always fun. It's not always, your flesh don't like it when you get corrected. Have you found that out? No. Sometimes it just catches you the wrong way. 
You were expecting a compliment. <laughs> and they wanted to see you and you thought, oh, yeah, I know what it is. I did so good. And you get in there and you get corrected. And your flesh is like, what? <laughs> thought I was getting a compliment. <laughs> your flesh don't like correction. Nobody's flesh likes correction. Nobody. But if you're wise, you'll say, man, I don't want to wind up in the wrong airspace. I don't want to wind up at the wrong place. I don't want to wind up out of my course, out of my place in life. I will receive this correction. And not only will I receive it, I will keep a right attitude about it. And I, I mean, even if you just bounced off the floor, you hop up and you go, Thank you, sir. Right? And you trust God and you get some thick skin and you grow and you get on course and you stay on course. How many believe if you make all the right corrections, you're going to wind up exactly where you're supposed to be and you're going to be a vessel shaped and changed in meat for the master's use, ready to do the job. In the place with the grace where you were made to be. Man, when you see it, it makes you stir up and go, hmm, correct me. Yes, please, yes. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands, close your eyes. Oh, say it out loud. Father, I believe you love me. I'm convinced. You only have my best interest, my good at heart. I desire your correction. I will receive it gladly. No matter how my flesh feels, I know I need correction. No matter who you choose to use or how it comes, even if they don't do it perfectly, I will receive from you and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.